listening to The Jim Laird Show on Body IO FM, where health and performance collide with your host, Jim Laird. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Jim Laird Show. My name is Jim Laird. I'm your host. Just got done with a powerlifting meet yesterday. Uh, it is a Monday morning today, and uh, I believe it is the 18th of September. And had some girls compete. Had one girl do a super total, which is Olympic lifting and powerlifting. Uh, she did Olympic lifting Saturday, powerlifting Sunday. She did fantastic. Every one of my girls PR'd. Everybody had a great day. So it was a lot of fun. Um I will be doing a show here probably just after this one, maybe this afternoon recording it, about what I've been up to lately because I have a lot going on. And just to kind of give you an update. And then uh, once I get through this week, uh, I'm going to catch up on a bunch of interviews that I've been talking about for a while. But this morning I have uh, Kyle Davis on the phone. Or Davies, is it Davies or Davis? Davies. Uh, everywhere outside of Wales, where I'm from, people say Davies in, yes. in Wales because everyone spells it with an E. People right. say Davis. So I'm, I'm, I'm used to either. I'm quite happy with either. Okay, perfect. Well, we got Kyle on the phone with us this morning, and I'm, I'm really excited to have him here. Um, I think he's going to bring a perspective that uh, very few people talk about. And uh, I'm excited to have him on the show. And it's also, I'm going to learn a lot from this as well. So Kyle, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? I am a psychologist by original trades. And I, I currently work with people with kind of things like chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, medically unexplained symptoms and syndromes. And I got into that because I started my career in management consulting and I did a whole series of things really, but the thing that kind of excited me was the, the, the coaching bit. But one thing I noticed was, which was kind of interesting, businesses like to focus on what goes on at work. So people kind of wear a mask at work and they're, they're a manager or they're a technician or whatever they're doing. And you know, even I was coaching people to improve their performance, there was a frustration within me because I wanted to get a bit deeper. I always felt that there's more to this person and what and this, you know, th there's more than just this role. And we really need to find out all about this person if they're going to, if we're going to really get the best out of them. So I went and trained in therapies of different types and started a little private practice. And then in the early 2000s, I met a Scottish doctor who had a particular interest in chronic fatigue syndrome because his girlfriend had it and as a doctor there wasn't anything that he could do for her so he was particularly frustrated he'd done some of the same therapy training that i'd done and he started to use some of the ideas and embellish them and expand them and he was then beginning to have some success both with his girlfriend and with some of the the patients in his center uh, so I started working with him. We 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 we, we uh, developed the process. We trained we trained practitioners in various countries, and it was kind of funny at the time because we thought this is amazing. Now we're going to be rich and famous because when it came to medicine, there was nothing that medicine really offered for those types of problems. You know, it, it was mainly uh, sleeping tablets, pain relievers, antidepressants. Uh, but there was nothing. There was nothing, you know, that was that was really out there. But because our work was based on stress and emotion, and the majority of people still entertain, and medicine still entertains that idea of a mind-body split, people would say to us, "Well, how can you possibly?" Uh, deal with a physical problem when you're talking about something that's all in the mind. So it's it's been a, a an interesting. A journey really trying to try to persuade people that that notion of a mind-body split is based on a worldview assumption it's actually not derived from anything factual as such but it's hundreds of years old and comes from that idea of scientists back in the days of, of, of René Descartes trying to explain us trying to explain the, the functioning of the body with the idea that well God is man is made in, in, in the in the image of God, so we've got to have something that connects 
man with God. So we've got the, the mind or the psyche or the soul. And of course, ever since then, science has tried to get rid of God out of the uh, picture altogether. So the mind has taken on this nebulous idea that something ethereal and, and we can't quite measure it or understand it. And I think stress and emotions have been seen as something that's in the mind. So therefore you're making it up. So uh, the fact that we talked about uh, stress, emotions, feelings. I think people often would say, oh, are, you, are you saying this is all in my mind? Because we'd be saying, no, it's not. The two things are linked. There's no difference, really. You know, mind and body are one, uh, and our emotion is a physiological process that affects all of your body and all of your brain. And if it gets backed up, then problems ensue. So that's that's me a bit waffly, but that's the kind of the background, and that's how I've kind of got to where where I am. And uh, I've just obviously, as you know, I've just put all these ideas down in a in a book which was released earlier in this year. Yeah, and it's on Audible too. Thank you for that because I I don't do well with reading. You know, it's interesting. There's a there's an entrepreneur here in in, in the United States named Dave Ramsey. Um, who does like financial, uh, you know, kind of like don't live in debt, you know, pay your debt off kind of thing. He helps people with their finances, but he also is an entrepreneur and he's, he has this, uh, massive business in Nashville, Tennessee. And he, he wrote a book for entrepreneurs. And one of the things he said is he says, when you hire someone, you want to take their significant other out to dinner and meet them to make sure they're not married to crazy. Um, so, yes. <laughs> you know, it, 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 like it goes to saying that, you know, you want to know what's going on in people's personal lives. That's going to bleed in over to their professional lives is, is, is an understatement for sure. You know, it's interesting. I've been doing this for 20 years and the one thing that I've noticed, you know, I get a lot of people referred from physical therapists that are in pain. Uh, you know, I sit down with people, they say, you know, what's your goal to lose weight? And then you start asking them questions about their life and they're, well, I've got an autoimmune disease or I've got this or I've got chronic fatigue or, you know, it comes out in the interview and it's funny because we end up talking about stress and about, uh, emotions and about quiet time and things like that with these people. And it really just blows their mind. Modern medicine is great if you get in a car accident and break your arm or somebody shoots you or, you know, trauma. But they aren't very good at fixing root causes of things. And, um, you know, if you believe it in your mind um, or if you have that stress in your mind, so to speak, it's going to carry over to the body. Um, how have you seen that stress connection manifest itself in individuals i think there's there's a couple of interesting things really i think um we seem to because the word stress is used so much people seem to have this idea that of stress as a nervous agitated sort of feeling and say oh yeah i get stressed with if my boss is a pain in the ass or whatever but when we're looking at uh, um stress impacting on our body it's usually stress that we, we we're not aware of and I, this, so there's a couple of interesting points i think is the first thing is that the you you know stress is the stress response in the body can be exactly the same regardless of the stressor so you could fall down a flight of stairs you could lose a job or you could have a bad case of flu and you know uh be it a physical injury, an illness, you could have a really bad diet, you could over-exercise. These are all stresses on the body, and the stress response is exactly the same. And I think, so, uh, and that is, I think, a very important point, uh, is to say, so stress is much bigger usually than, than people think. Um, and therefore, I think that stress, therefore, plays a role in most of the health problems that people have. And... That's the first thing I think. The, say this, the 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 second important point for me is that a body can be in a state of stress without us being aware of it. And I think this is one of the things that we experience in in modern life is that we are we're kind of stuck in our heads. We're going around in a kind of a trance-like state, trying to pay our bills. You know, work a job, pick up the kids, go to, go to the food store. You know, all this kind of stuff. So we're stuck in these routines doing these things and, and often detached from our 
body and detached from any feelings that we may that we may have that could gauge whether we are in a state of stress or not so the fact that it's possible for our body to be in a state of stress means that when it's in a prolonged state of stress what ultimately happens is it breaks down and then we begin to have some sort of health problem so you know i guess in terms of what i've seen it's it's, it's difficult isn't it because obviously the the perspective i'm coming from is that i'm looking for stresses in a person's life if a person is presenting with symptoms of some sort i am assuming that you know their 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 stress bucket is full as i would say and that's kind of how i see it in a very simple way is that it, you know if you're stressed in a number of ways that all goes into a stress bucket and it gets to a point when your body breaks down when that stress bucket is full uh, and it's almost like the body's trying to get 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 your attention and say there's things you need to deal with here and if you're not going to deal with them then i'm going to try to get your attention by slapping you in the face with something so you know that's you know and I, as i say i do recognize that because this is what I do, I, I'm looking for those things. So I'm looking for stress. But I, I, I just think it's really important that people expand their idea of what stress is, and and it's it's not a, just a felt sense experience. If you're you know at work or at home, if your wife is giving you a hard time, you know it's something to say. It's that idea that your body can be in a state of stress without you being aware of it, and it can be any number of things. And it's interesting, you know, as we were talking about earlier, you were saying about you know if you have a hard workout that that is a stressor and it's you know this is something that I've seen in the past I've had times where uh, I can feel a cold just lurking on the edges and there's been times when I'll go to the gym and I'll work out pretty hard and those cold symptoms go you know uh, and there's been times when I've gone to the gym worked out hard and the, the cold just gets much much worse and the way I see that is my stress bucket is being pretty full and the symptoms are obviously there my immune system is keeping them in check but the stressor of the workout is sufficient to kind of push me over the edge and my system can can you know no longer hold those uh, cold uh, things back so it's kind of an interesting thing but I, I think it's to be mindful of what is in that stress bucket uh, and just in a simple way really but having that sense as as as, as you said before before we started uh, recording that if you're working out hard it's that's a stressor if you're eating a lot of shit that's a stressor mm -hmm. uh if you're overloading yourself at work that's a stressor there's all of these things are going to be going in the stress bucket and uh we just kind of need to be mindful of that really what kind of things can people do to empty that stress bucket that's a good question really and i think that you know a, a lot of my work is based on the idea of uh empowering people to attune to what is right for them without wanting to sound too wishy-washy i'm very conscious that we have a desire to look outside of ourselves for answers for techniques for tools and whatnot and i don't think there's a, a one-size-fits-all for anyone um so i think that i suppose the first thing i like to do when i'm working with people is look at well, what is in that stress bucket I'm coming from a perspective where I believe that our stress and our emotion is coming from inside of us. So I don't want to blame things outside, you know. So if I believe I'm stressed as a result of things going on at work, I, I, I don't want to blame my boss and say my boss is making me angry. I, I want to look at, okay, so what's going on? How is it I'm contributing that? What is it that I'm doing to suppress my anger? You know, what is it I'm doing in that work context? But I, I think as a first step, it's useful to know what is in that stress bucket. So as I say, for me, I, I'm, I'm aware that I like to work out quite hard, um, but I'm aware of what's going on in my life any particular day or week. And if I'm, you know, if I, if there's a lot going on, I'm 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 aware of that. I'm aware of how I feel. If I feel tense, if I feel uptight, you know, how, if am I overloading myself? Am I putting pressure on myself? Is there things that I believe I have to do? And if I am, I'm I'm 
you know, I, I will be mindful of how hard I work out. I'll be mindful of how much booze I drink. So I think it's it's useful to know what's in your stress bucket. Of course, there may be things that a person is holding from the past. And again, I would say, you know, it, it, you know, if there's things that a, a person has, has experienced in, in, in childhood, it may be that they're kind of lingering. And again, I don't believe there's any one thing a person has to do. Ultimately, I think what is vitally important is that we let ourselves feel our feelings. I think one of the crucial things that people do, especially as they get into their mid-30s and older, is that we it's very easy to look for some sort of fix outside of ourselves. So if there are feelings that are arising from life today or even feelings lingering from the past, there can be a tendency to try to make changes by you know getting a new job a flash car or you know more booze or more drugs or whatever it is and i think that that's one of the dangers we seem to live in this very externally referenced you know kind of culture where it's all about trying to get the next fix and whilst we get a brain chemical fix from that from you know buying some new clothes or whatever it may be uh all it's doing is patching up how our deeper feelings uh, and may, maybe our deeper feelings about ourselves, about our lives. So I always think a first step is one is allowing yourself to be aware of what's in your stress bucket, but crucially, you know, allowing yourself to feel what you feel. And, and I know that's a tough one for men because, you know, over there, I know it's the same as it is over here. If you're a man, you're not supposed to have feelings. You're supposed to be tough. You're supposed to kind of, be you know uh, see things through be silent and strong and you know kind of put the, push things down uh, but ultimately if you push your feelings aside they're going to come back and they're going to bite you on the ass somehow whether that's whether you have anger issues uh, whether you you know you have migraine headaches or whatever it is you know so that that thing of allowing oneself to feel one's feelings uh, it sounds incredibly simple but it's um, it's amazing to me the lengths we go to avoid our, our feelings and usually it's through finding some external fix so you know if, if people are listening there and just just take a step back and look at your life and get a sense of of Am I just chasing some external fix by trying to seek new things in in, in my life? Um, and it's interesting again, to, you know what you what you talked about earlier with um, the idea of looking at exercise as stress relief as opposed to and how the how you used to train, whereas now you train for the love of training. And again, I think people sort of know that, but knowing what your motivation is for doing something, I think is 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 very important because I, I I've come across that a lot. I've come across people that have have, have uh, become ill with fatigue or pain problems, and they for a period of time, even often a long period, used exercise as a way to kind of beat stress because again, it's one of those things that people are told if you're stressed. You know, here's a fix for you. Go and exercise. And again, it's that thing, isn't it? It can be a, a stress reliever. But if you've got a full stress bucket, if you're trying to get away from your feelings by by uh, exercising hard, ultimately you won't. So and I think, again, I, I it's trusting that you you can see that in, in yourself, I think. Uh, which, which I think is something that you know you obviously could because of that idea of well yeah I know I'm trying to escape feelings here by by working out hard otherwise I'd just be angry all the time. Sure, um, and, and you know like um, I've dealt with that for years with myself um, using exercise to manage anger issues instead of just dealing with those emotions and feeling them and feeling the pain and then putting it behind you. Uh, a lot of people you know use food to manage. Uh, to get that dopamine hit to manage their, you know, feelings of inadequacy or whatever it is, instead of just dealing with those things or dealing with other people, they use, you know, all, and exercise can be a great tool to empty a stress bucket, restorative yoga, tai chi, walking outside. These are things that can empty the stress bucket, but most people are looking for that dopamine hit. They're looking for that, you know, loud music, scream at me kind of deal. And it makes them feel better temporarily, but then it digs the hole deeper. 
And then, you know, I get a lot of people that come in here and they're like, I, I'm not motivated. Um, I need a new coach, you know, to motivate me. And, you know, they're training, you know, twice a day or several times a week. And it's like, you don't need motivation. You need to learn how to chill out, you know, so you have the energy. Like you said, our bodies are much smarter than we are. They're going to tell us, you know, what to do. And if you don't stop, your body will make you stop. And hopefully it's in a way that you're going to be able to recover from. But a lot of people wait till it's too late and then they get, you know, the body throws a, a, a roadblock in front of them that they can't overcome because they've just driven through and driven through. It's something about Western society that we just got to keep working and we got to keep going and, you know, you sleep when you're dead and, you know, all this sort yeah. of thing. <laughs> um, it's just uh, people just don't take and, – and now with phones – you know, every time I get myself in trouble, you know, I uh, I got a lot going on at work. You know, if I'm in a good place, I know I need to take some. For me, one of the biggest things to empty my stress bucket is getting outside, getting in the sun, getting in nature. That, for me, is a huge uh, stress reliever. And when I get into trouble uh, with my health is when I start using the phone as my stress reliever. As my mind number so that I, you know, I shut yeah, my yeah. mind off. A lot of people are just walking around and they're in this constant z zombie zone and they don't have to deal with reality. It's like being on drugs. They're just like painkillers. They're just so numb. They don't feel anything and they just don't want to feel anything and they don't want to deal with any pain. They don't want to deal with any reality. So they just use the phone. How much do you think, you know, in the last hundred years, let's look at how much our environment has changed. You go back a hundred years, heck, you even go, my, my grandfather is from Glasgow. Um, you know, he was born before the depression. Um, and I remember watching him shovel coal. Yeah. yeah. Carrying buckets yeah. of coal in from outside. And I'm sure you can remember that too. We basically have gone from a society that spent 90% of its time outside. In less than a hundred years, we've gone to a society that spends 95% of its time inside in a climate controlled environment under a fake sun, you know, with artificial lights. We don't go outside. We've been told by the medical community not to get sunlight because it's going to kill you. Uh, even though we've evolved <laughs> with the sun for hundreds of thousands, yeah. whatever, how many, whatever your belief system is, good for you. Um, how is our, the environment that we've put ourselves in? affected our body's uh, stress response? Do you think it has? Uh, I, I think it's, yeah, I think from that perspective of you, as, as you've said, that when you're in nature, it's it, you you kind of feel good. The chemicals involved in what, you know, in the body and body processes are different. I think this there is something about it, isn't it? We, the, as I say, the fact we've evolved in nature simply simply being out there you just feel different and i think that therefore you'll what will happen is a chain reaction from that is that your your behavior when you come back inside your behavior with other people in terms of work and all that will be different i think that when you're inside all the time and you're cooped up it's it's because it's not a natural environment it's likely to make us more uh, edgy more irritated and that impacts our behavior that impacts therefore the way we do things and the feedback we get about ourselves and about life and it's just a cycle that kind of goes on and on so yeah my sense is that it's probably obviously we could argue that culturally we um and our society has evolved much quicker than our bodies have probably that's probably the case isn't it Yes. Uh, you know, you, for hundreds of thousands of years, we lived in small tribes where we knew probably a hundred people, and you know, we had kind of roles. We were we connected to to each other. You know, young men went out and fought battles and hunted and all of this this sort of stuff, and we don't have any of that now. And I think this is why so many people find life meaningless or purposeless. Uh, you know, get bored and uh, struggle. You know, I think this is, you know, we see certainly with men, I think young men and older men find that they're, they're stuck, they're overwhelmed, they're confused, their role in society seems to have, have changed. Um, and 
Yeah, I, I think it's we're facing kind of interesting and tricky times, really, because I think as a result of these changes, because we're not outside, we're not in nature, because of the, our lifestyles have changed, there's a whole load of other feelings that are arising. Of course, as, as you were saying, we we often just try to bury those with phones, with movies, with shopping, with drugs and all this sort of stuff. And ultimately, we, we just we have to feel them. There's nothing. There's no one thing to do with those feelings. But f first and foremost, they, they do have to be felt. Yeah, you have to be aware of them. You know, it's interesting. You talk about men being kind of out of place. I feel terribly sorry for women. Um, it's interesting because, you know, 95% of my clients are women. You go back. 50, Me too. Yeah. You go back 50 years. If a woman was a good mother. That's all. I mean, all was good. Didn't matter what you looked like. You know, if you were a good mom, that was it. Now, as mm -hmm. a woman, you've got to be a supermodel and you got to be a mom and you got to have a career. And, you know, you've got to be all these different things. They're just getting pulled yeah. in so many different directions. And it's no, you know, you got to have a PhD. You got to have a, you know, a highly level education. Yeah. You know, they're being pulled in so many different directions. There's no surprise to me. That women are starting are surpassing men when it comes to heart disease, heart attacks, and that was yeah. unheard of. You know, yeah. seventy. The woman having a heart attack, you know, even fifty years ago was, I mean, this didn't happen. But now no, was, women, yeah, women are starting to catch up and actually surpass men um, in a lot of these diseases that they they never even you would you just was unheard of fifty years ago. So, you know, I feel, I know, I feel terribly that sorry for women. Yeah, because, yeah, the proportion of clients that I have are probably about the same. And a lot of that is because I think I think women are maybe are more likely to say when they've got something wrong. But things like fatigue and pain problems, historically, it's been more women than men. Um, you think, is, I, that I suppose because they're, is that because their endocrine system is a lot more sensitive? There's more moving parts. Um, it could well be. It could well be. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think historically it might have been because men were more likely to have heart disease. But as you say, women are catching up. Yeah. Well, men, men, so, men uh, typically, if you look at the male endocrine system, it's more designed. And I know we might get hate mail that we're actually saying men and women are physiologically different, but they are. Um, you know, men's endocrine systems are designed specifically to handle more stress. You know, and, and that's, yeah. just, that's just why yeah. they die younger. You know, um, yeah. we, we're, we're designed to handle more stress because we're traditionally we're the ones going out and putting ourselves at risk and gathering and hunting and killing things traditionally. I mean, there's exceptions always. Um, but, you know, just to kind of summarize a little bit, what I see, you know, what I've seen over the last 20 years is you got somebody that doesn't move, is in a desk all day, eats a ton of crappy food. um, is in a zombie state, doesn't deal with emotions, doesn't shut their mind off, it's constantly running, they can't sleep because they're so wound up, and then they come to me because they can think they can fix it all with exercise. Mm. That's basically what I see. That's that's my life. People come in and then I have to educate them on, okay, well, exercise is just a small component in health, and until you've got all this other stuff squared away, like you know nutrition and and guess what? Because you're emotionally stressed, you're going to eat more crap, and that's going to lead to a, a bigger, you know, a body that's even more stressed. So you end up with this sedentary, exhausted person. And I have to explain to somebody that just because you sit all day uh, and don't do anything doesn't mean you can't be exhausted. And and I, you know, and you have to start super simple with these people and just get them walking and moving, and then slowly start adding things in, and then eventually build their capacity up enough so they can actually handle a stressor like exercise. It's just really hard for people to understand. And that's one of the reasons I think people don't, you know, they do this new year's resolution. They want to go to the gym and then they just, they crank it and then they don't have their body doesn't have the capacity to actually handle it because no. they, they start too fast. They go for a week and then they're like, Oh God, this sucks. And then they're done. Or, or they go to a trainer and the trainer trains them, and they can't walk for three weeks, and they're done. So <laughs> that's what I see. Every yeah, day, I, I mean, it's 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 interesting because that you know, as you said about that thing of people being sat down all day and yet being tired. And I think that I think when it comes to these things, 
at a low level, I think we intuitively know this. You know, it's like if you're talking to somebody and they yawn, there's a good chance you'll say, am I boring you? And so we kind of intuitively know that if you're bored, you'll get fatigued. And it's it's almost like it's too simple. But I think a lot what we have, as you as you said, is because people are very often walking around in this kind of trance like state, just trying to get things done. They lack, they're not fulfilled, and they, they don't have a often don't have a sense of meaning or, or purposes, and therefore they're bored. And for me, boredom is a, a lack of fulfillment. It's not whether you're busy or not, because I've often had people say to me, you know, I'm too busy to be bored. And say, well, boredom is not about how much you do or don't do. Right. Boredom is about whether you're filled or whether you're f- f- fulfilled in your at, at your at a core core level. But I and I think people intuitively kind of know it, you know. And I've sort of seen this over the years that. It's like if a person has a uh, has a, a, a bad head at, at the end of a work day, they'll often know that it's it's been a frustrating work day, or they they felt angry because of something happened in work, but they had to shove it down, and at the end of the day, they've got this this you know throbbing head. But if that throbbing head lasts for sort of three weeks, they then go to the doctor, and that intuitive notion of I know that this is about emotion and there's something going on which I probably should deal with. That goes out the window. They go to the doctor. They, they get cover up the taking meds. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's kind of what I see. So I, I think if, if people, you know, could really trust themselves, because I think intuitively a lot of the time we can pick up when something is not quite right with us. But, of course, as, as we've been saying, you've got to let yourself be aware of how you feel and then you've got to trust that and i think too frequently we're looking outside of ourselves for somebody to tell us what to do and obviously there are times when we need you know that external knowledge or expertise but i I think i think a balance is needed where we need to trust ourselves a little bit more than we than we do trust our feelings a little bit more yeah, and, and, and shutting off the noise is a big part of that. And I struggled with that. Uh, as most people know that listen to this, I had ultrasound colitis. And a big part of it was because I just couldn't shut off. Like I was constantly in this state of arousal and not in a good way. Um, and I just couldn't shut my mind off. I literally would try and sit quietly for 30 seconds and I couldn't do it. I was, you know, my foot was going up and down. My mind was racing. It took me a, about a year to learn how to actually calm down and quiet my mind let's shift gears a little bit let's let's talk about your book so um who is your book for um and and what is it basically uh what's the title of it and who is it for and what are you trying to get the message out with through this book okay it's called the intelligent body and it's specifically i suppose it's about fatigue and pain issues uh, but ultimately, what I'm trying to do is convey this message of emotion and stress lead to physical problems. And the book really, it, it comes in two parts. So the, the first part is theory explaining really how stress affects the body and the mind and, and how ultimately it can lead to symptoms. Part two is about looking at some simple exercises and processes that people can put in, 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 in into practice to help them kind of move beyond issues they may be experiencing. Now, even though it's the target is kind of pain and fatigue, I think it's relevant for pretty much everyone, really. I know that's kind of a bold thing to say, but I, I, again, prevention is better than cure. Sure. So I think we're all... I believe that pretty much everybody experiences some form of symptom at some time or other. We know even from science, we know things like whether you whether you pick up a cough or a cold is uh, is likely to be impacted by the 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 level of stress that you're currently experiencing. Uh, you know, if you if you pick it up and the length of time you you had it. Uh, or you you know you kind of have it so i think the 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 issue of emotion and stress are relevant for everyone and i think that if if people were able to be in touch with themselves put principles into practice get in touch with their feelings allow their feelings and that sort of stuff i think people generally would find that uh, they'd feel better they'd have fewer health problems and they would just perform better in life as well this kind of idea as i say of 
of trusting oneself, uh, being motivated from within, it generally means that we we perform better in every area of our of our lives. Um, you know, in my experience of it, when people are performing well or at their happiest, they tend to be out of their head. They tend to be in touch with themselves uh, and flowing. And so that's kind of what we're after, really. And I, I, I don't think it doesn't take a huge amount of work to get there. Uh, I think it, there's probably needs to be a consistent uh, application of principles. But it's not that, you know, you kind of I don't think you've got to slavishly beat yourself every day. I, I, I agree 100 percent. This is kind of a little curveball throughout you. It was interesting. Um, I interviewed a guy named Dr. Kirk Parsley, who's a sleep expert. He was a Navy SEAL. He's a doctor for the SEALs. You, know, you talked about cold and sickness and things like that. And he basically said something to me that just totally like turned my head upside down. And he was like, what I see in the SEALs is when these guys, or he noticed with his own himself, like you go on vacation, you get out in the sun, you're on the beach. He's like, the majority of my SEALs, when they go on vacation, they actually get sick. Because he's yeah. like, their body won't allow them to get sick because they're so run down and exhausted. They have to wait for a time when they're, they, you know, to allow those symptoms to come up when they're actually healthy enough to deal with it. It's pretty, it was, yeah. I was like, yeah. and I noticed that, like, if I'm working for a couple weeks in a row, and then I take a couple days off, or I got you know Christmas or a holiday where I get a couple days to relax. Mm. Nine times out of ten, I'll get a cold when I slow yeah. down. So it's pretty, it's pretty interesting to me. That kind of blew my mind. Um, that a lot of times, because yeah, we're, we're under a ton of stress, we don't have the immune system available to create a response. Um, yeah, so it was an interesting but way of thinking things. It's it's a very interesting point, isn't it? There's certainly a thing that school teachers over here have exactly the same thing. They all talk over here that they get their coughs and colds and things like that when they're on, you know, uh, vacation. Um, and I, I think part of what happens is that we've got that extra adaptation energy, if you will, inside where it's almost like the kind of foot is to the floor on the gas pedal. And you can you 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 drain the system dry, and then there's a few extra drops that can see you through. But once that your foot comes off the gas pedal, the whole system collapses. Um, so, and I think what happens again is that if the foot doesn't come off at all, then you don't get a cough or a cold. You actually get something much worse. Yeah, you end up with which is probably what you're talking yeah, about. You yeah, end up which, with yeah. you end up with ulcerative colitis, or you end up with irritable bowel syndrome, or you end up with. It's interesting it's because yeah. you know the way I explain it to people, and I'm obviously not a medical doctor, but you know, and I've I've heard this in different places. It's like, you know, we all have like a different car. Like if you have a Lexus, a Ferrari, and uh, a Lada. Okay, Lada was the Russian car. You know, yeah, you know what that is, but most people don't. And you drive them at maximum performance as hard as they'll go. They'll all break in different ways. And that's yeah. kind of how, you know, luckily for me, I drove my car as hard as I could for as long as I could. And luckily for me, it was my digestive system that gave out first. It was something I could fix and manage, whereas with someone else, it might be their heart. Or it might be, you know, something in their brain or everybody has these different genetic vulnerabilities and it's it's our environment and it's stress and, you know, all these different things that pull the trigger. Um, Absolutely. And we don't necessarily have to pull that trigger just because you're genetically vulnerable, vulnerable to something doesn't mean that you're going to get it. And, uh, absolutely not. No, absolutely. I, I think the thing that I've seen over the years or which kind of interests me is that you know, as we were saying before, the body will get your attention with symptoms one way or another, is that what I've noticed is that the, the symptoms people experience tend to get worse over time. And it's it's almost as if they come and go in, in cycles. But I often find that if I'm working with somebody with uh, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, something like that, they will have started off. It's, you know, if we trace back their symptoms, they'll often say something like, well, yeah, as a teenager, or I had anxiety or sleep sleep problems. Then it went away for a bit, or I took this 
treatment or I, I took these pills and it went up you know those those symptoms went then it came back as something else or it clustered or it was it was more intense and that's always the case and then it then ends up with and it's you know something very severe and it's almost as if the body is saying well if you're not going to pay attention to the messages i'm trying to send you i'm afraid i'm going to give you harder and harder uh, symptoms uh the good thing about it, I think, is that ultimately it's usually that the message underneath is pretty much the same, which which is stress and emotion is building up. Uh, and I think one of the things that people often believe is that um, the solution they need to implement needs to be as big as the size of the symptoms. Yes. But what I experience is that, you know, a person that had, you know, mild stomach problems as a as a you know a teenager the problems they're experiencing now in their kind of late 30s which may be very severe pain and fatigue the message is still the same it's still that there are aspects of their lives where their emotions are getting blocked it's just that they're more proficient at blocking those feelings now and the, the, you know what i train uh, those people to do is just to get back feel the feelings and essentially recognize that a lot of our emotional feelings uh, they're mechanistic in a way in as much as just like if we have a feeling of being hungry it's our body's trying to tell us we need to eat if we have the feeling that we need the bathroom we got to need we have to use the bathroom you know and emotions are kind of the same i mean sometimes emotions are get built up from the past but a lot of the time and i my preference is to look at things in the present and say well well my emotions are really just feedback about my interaction with my environment right now. You know, if I walk out into the middle of a street and there's oncoming traffic, my body will send me emotional feedback because it's telling me about what I'm doing and it's trying to get me to do something. So, I, I, you know, my preference is to always to look at our emotions being it's feedback about what I am doing in this moment so what i need to be doing is looking at right well because i can always change what i'm doing i can change my behavior i can change my language i can change my thoughts to a certain extent i can change the way i interact with myself and life and my emotion is trying to give me a bit of feedback about that and if i bury that those feelings then it's going to come back and kick me in the head somehow um but looking at it as i say whether the symptoms are mild or severe in many instances, it may not just be those feelings that get blocked. There may be other things. We said, you know, there's lots of things in the stress bucket. But emotion is playing a big role. And just looking at emotion from that perspective of my emotion is actually trying to give me a bit of feedback about my interaction with my environment. What is it I can do differently here? You know, if it's at work or if it's at home, wherever it is, it's like, how can I interact with my boss in a different way? You know, how can I interact with this colleague in a different way? What can I do that's that's different? I think a lot of the time we, we, we again, with our external focus, we say, oh, my boss is a pain in the ass. He's giving me too much work. And my work colleague is, he's dumping all his work on me. He's, you know, he should be working. He should be doing his own work. What a bastard. Well, really, it's right. Well, what is it? What, how can I approach these particular issues in a different way? Let me look at it. Because if I'm having, if I'm getting anger in, in a work context, then it's like my body's trying to say, I need to do something different. I need to approach this in a different way. I mean, I need to speak in a different way. I need to, I need to act in a different way. What can I do? And I think that's the crucial thing. Because when we do, if I, I then take different action, that my body then may no longer need to, to send that anger, which yeah. means I then may may no longer get bad heads, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Well, one of the things that's helped me, especially dealing with some of my past, um, was looking at people from a different perspective as far as like, okay, these people are just trying to do the best they can. And 99% of the time, it's not personal. They're just doing what's oh, yeah. done, done yeah. to them. And instead of me taking it personal, just looking at them and saying, you know, I really, I feel empathy for them. You know, they're trying kind of deal, yeah. which allows me to be like, oh, okay. And, and watching that in, and being aware and I see, I see myself getting resentful and angry and then just let, just kind of watch it and just kind of let it, let it go. And being aware of that has helped me in the last 10 or 15 years to not take things personally and a lot, not let things that other people do bother me quite as much. And of course I struggle with that. Uh, but that, that's helped me particularly, especially dealing with family members. Um, 
not taking things personally and just letting things kind of kind of go and just being like, you know, they're doing the best they can and and making sure I I create boundaries for myself so that I don't get sucked into this emotional uh kind of ruckus. You know, I'll I'll take timeouts and be like, you know, if I have a friend or a family member who's not acting appropriately, I'll just say, "Hey, you know, this is not going in the right direction." You know, when you're ready to talk without, you know, doing A, B, and C, I'm here for you. But until then, we're just going to kind of set you on the sideline. Uh, that's really helped me a ton. I think this you raised two really interesting points there. I think the first thing is that, the, that people's outward manifestation of their behavior is a reflection of their internal experience. So if somebody is angry or judgmental, that's what they're doing to themselves and they're probably a pretty miserable person. So knowing that can give you a different perspective. And I think that's the fact that in, in most instances, how a person is behaving is a reflection of them is much, much more often the case than it's about you. And I think we all have this because our moods vary. You know, you have some days where you feel great and when, on those days when you feel great, life seems rosy, people seem chirpy, everything's kind of going right. And you have days when your mood kind of drops and your 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 reflection of your you know your your perception of life and yourself changes life can seem negative you don't feel very good about yourself and it's not that any any of those and i think it's useful just to know that because it's not that any of those things are actually real it's just that that our feeling states vary and as our feeling states vary our perceptions of ourself and life vary so i think it's really useful to know that because then it, we're less likely to behave in a in a dysfunctional manner when we know that actually Actually, yeah, I, I don't feel great, and this this is affecting how I'm seeing myself, and it's affecting how I'm seeing people around me. So maybe it, it maybe it isn't them, uh, and and you know, likewise, if you're in a in a state where you can in, in a in a place where you can see somebody behaving in a in a disruptive or uh, unpleasant manner, you can recognise it's probably because they're there's I would say in a low consciousness space. So I think it's useful to know that. But the second important point you, I, th I think you raised is that, again, I've seen over the years, people that are too empathic can have a tendency to let others walk over them. So it is important to, that you get your boundaries in place as well. So if somebody is treating you badly, yes, you can understand that it's probably because they're in a bad space. But at the same time, you need to, as best you can, put a boundary in place to say, hang about, you know, it's just not appropriate for you to be talking to me like this or doing this so i think that both things are useful because we don't want to be judging other people because that if you know if you think oh why, why is this person do how can they behave like this when you get into that space it normally just amplifies your uncomfortable response and it kind of makes you a victim so what we want is to probably to largely understand where people are coming from and recognize this is a reflection of them more than it is me however i need to get my boundaries in place as well so i think yeah kind of two interesting points really Thank you. Well, Kyle, I tell you what, I've really enjoyed this interview. I think this has given people a lot of things to think about, which is, you know, what we want. We want people to become self-aware. We want people to uh, kind of step to the sideline out of zombie zombie land that we live in and 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 look at things like I, I, I like to tell people to watch life like a movie theater. You know, observe, don't get drawn in. So I think we've given people a lot of things to think about in a positive way. And I'm I'm really glad we got to finally catch up. I mean, Kyle and I have been playing email tag for several months now. So, And when you're dealing with different time zones, it's always a, a good time. Kyle, could, why don't you tell tell the listeners where they can find out more about you, where you, they can find your book, and where they can uh, get more information about you and what you guys have to offer. Uh, so the book called The Intelligent Body is available really should be most good books or certainly online at Barnes and Noble, uh, Barnes and Noble and Amazon and places like that. Uh, my website is, I've got two, I've got, there's the kyledavies.net and also energyflowcoaching.com. So this, this kind of method that I teach is, is energy flow coaching. Uh, there was one little final point I just wanted to make. Absolutely. And that was that, that was that I think that, um, 
you know, just link to the idea that everything you feel is okay. I think a lot of the time, what we find in life is that certainly in modern life is that people believe they should feel a certain way. And I think being okay with the fact that you don't feel great all of the time is, is, is definitely a useful space to be. I think far too often, if, if we're not if we're not feeling kind of happy and psyched and successful and pumped all of the time, we think there's a problem. And often there isn't a problem. And the irony can be that in chasing a fix, we actually create a problem. So just a, a just an extra little tag on that. Everything you feel is all right. You know, if you have a if you have a day when you feel off kilter and your mood is low, it's fine. You don't have to fix yourself. Let yourself be and you will naturally gravitate towards feeling good again. But you've got to get out of the way and you just got to let yourself feel and be okay with that. Absolutely. There's a reason in the Bible. I mean, I'm not super religious, but there's a reason in the Bible that they would have a week-long wake for people when they died. Because you feel, you know, you yeah, dress yeah, yeah. up, you know, you do, they have these, all these rituals, you would basically get all these emotions out. Uh, and people don't do, you don't, you're not going to feel your best every day, and that's okay. You're not going to be at your best in the gym every day, and that's okay. Um, you're going to go through times where you feel like shit, where you don't have motivation. Everything in life, in nature, runs in cycles, and I'm very glad that you pointed that out because, you know, you're not going to get up every day and feel like a million dollars, you know, and people start reaching for caffeine, they start reaching for pills, they start, you know, turning the music up, and, you know, there are, there's a time, you know, for every season, turn, 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 right? Um, it, there's a time for everything, and people just don't want to realize that, you know, the top, there's going to be the top of the valley, the bottom of the valley, and it's okay to be in both, you know, as long as you, don't get, yeah. as long as you don't get stuck in one. There's consequences yeah. to being stuck in both places, right? That's why we need a little variability. Absolutely. And it's just that kind of, as I say, that sort of irony, really, that when people are in that, that trough of feelings that they're trying to fix themselves often is what makes keeps it worse. down there. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's weird really. All right, uh, sir. Well, I hope. Well, thanks Jim. It's it. been a real pleasure today. I really, oh, you're welcome. you know, I hope you enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Um, thank you very much. Thank you once again for tuning into the Jim Laird show brought to you by body. IOFM. Please continue to support Kiefer and his endeavors so I can continue to do this show. been listening to the jim laird show with your host jim laird if you'd like to hear more log on to body.io don't miss the next episode of the jim laird show when he'll probably say something inappropriate but unexpectedly insightful